Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Friday morning's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and the reason we're bringing you the show about 12 hours later than we normally would is that there was three games in Europe on Thursday night and we thought it'd be better to, to wait and instead of just putting out a show on Thursday that would have had nothing to do with any of that to just, you know, knock it back a little bit to the Friday morning, look at the three games involving Rangers Aberdeen and Motherwell and to help me do that I have Tony Anderson Hello there and Duncan Mackay Morning, afternoon, evening whenever you listen Very Truman Show of you Yeah, That was accidental <laughs> Fair enough Right, let's uh, let's start off with certainly the most interesting game uh, Motherwell making it every, every team made it through the, the next uh, round but Motherwell, Oh Scotland Yeah, yes. up the coefficient but Motherwell were certainly the, the team that had to work the hardest for it. Uh, they really shouldn't have, but uh, they ended up being that way. 2 nothing up at half-time. The game finished 2 each. Motherwell conceded a late equaliser, an injury time, a penalty. Bevis McGavey sent off. They had to play the entire of extra time with only 10 men. Went to penalties, but that's where Trevor Carson came to the fore. Motherwell won 3-0 on penalties and make it through to the next round by the smallest, smallest of margins. Tori, what was... I have to say as well, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will be the same because it's hard to kind of watch these games. The Motherwell game was on BBC Northern Ireland, but the Aberdeen game wasn't on TV at all and the Rangers game was on Premier Sports. So we're basically going to have to treat each other like idiots in this one. And there's not going to be too, hopefully, too much round discussion, but we can at least kind of chip in at various points. So Tori, you watched the Motherwell game Tell us about it. 
Well, um, just before we go any further, I was talking to Graham uh, after after the game, and he was just saying that it's worth mentioning it had massive starting va- vibes from a few years back with Stuart McCall, uh, and he believes it was sort of absolutely massive in the context of their season because McCall and that team never actually recovered uh, from that result all those years ago. And similarly, Motherwell were going into this sort of bottom of the league, absolutely rotten form. People are starting to due to the form coming out the back end of last season, I think there's a lot of murmurs with people about Stephen Robinson. So um, despite the roundabout way that they've managed to get through, it is an absolutely huge result for them not to take sort of a bloody nose from, sorry, a, 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 frankly, a part-time team. But uh, it was an absolutely great game. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, that's probably the best football match I've, I've watched this season. Um, maybe even since the, the restart in general in any, in any league um, Motherwell started with three at the back uh, and they started really 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 strong uh, Motherwell uh, Colerin looked really really nervous they couldn't clear or tackle the ball uh, at any point in the first 50 minutes it was more like watching um, sort of like for certain Scottish football fans make it easier like Celtic or Rangers uh, in the last 50 minutes of a game uh, that they're drawing against with Hamilton Ackies, with no disrespect there. Um, so they're absolutely flying into it. They're rattling th- through them constantly. And every time a cross comes into the box, uh, it's last-ditch defending, the goalie's flapping, uh, and it just like you, you were instantly drawn into the match due to, due to that style. And that became a feature of the whole game, actually, is that uh, deliveries were good from both sides, but neither side ever looked competent or comfortable dealing with crosses, and that just made for a um, a proper good, oh, I'll get my gammon on, a proper good British football match, <laughs> uh, if, if, if you like. And uh, I really enjoyed that. There was really great uh, movement from Motherwell. They played with sort of like a, a, a split strike force in the 3-5-2, so they had uh, Long and Watt playing, and they both ran the flanks like really, really well. Their, their touch was great, and that really helped Motherwell because it's like they were getting overloads on the flanks, which um, I think at times could be quite, uh, would be a negative point for playing, playing a 3-5-2. But with the energy, uh, Alan Campbell, he was supporting each wing every time. And then one of the wide players was pulling out and they were able to get in behind and get to the byline really regularly. And just as a general point about Motherwell going forward, I could see that working especially I mean now that they don't have Turnbull that would have worked perfectly um, so like a split strike force getting to the byline a lot and having like a midfielder who's got the intelligence to sort of make late runs into the box and score goals so if I was Motherwell now um, not that this will be easy things to find if they were to find maybe even a quite a lazy attacking midfielder who sort of reads the game really well uh, and has good movement uh, and, and read and come and do these late runs in the box. I reckon that formation with those two guys up front could work great. Um, but they didn't have it all their own way uh, in the first sort of 15 minutes, despite they were all over them. Uh, I would say that before Motherwell took the lead, um, Collarin probably had the best chance, and that was uh, their sort of striker, I think was the uh, was a hero in the last game uh, against Maribor. He missed a sort of guilt-edge chance really early in the game from a, from a set piece. Uh, and that was another problem that Motherwell had. It was like that McLaughlin who was playing up front by himself, um, every time a cross ball came into the box, I felt like he was favourite to win it. And all three Motherwell centre-halves 
uh, had a go at sort of marking them. And even though they were all substantially bigger than, than McLaughlin, he was, getting, he was winning the ball every single time. And that was a real worry uh, for Motherwell. And Lammy was really poor for that chance. He just completely switched off and he just... Lammy was really poor, Tony. I'm going to have to stop you there. That's, that's not a sentence we say quite a lot. <laughs> he just completely lost them and he looked... And it was... It was quite funny watching Motherwell because even though they really, really controlled that first half and the three at the back, I was getting a bit annoyed watching them. Every time they won the ball, like Collarham were playing so deep uh, and I would argue due to their second half performance, they'll probably have a bit of regret. Uh, I would say that they maybe paid Motherwell too much respect uh, in the first half. They were never pressing the ball. Motherwell were able to sort of stroll into their half before anyone would engage with them. And it was like sort of quite weird. I think if they had a bit, Lammy, I would blame the most here because he's he can play left back. He's done that more than enough times. He moved it to left back during this game, and the sort of three at the back would sort of cluster together um, when they got the ball and they sort of pass it around them. When but really, I was thinking, you've got them on the rack here. Um, why don't the the the, the sort of two side um, centre halves maybe push wide a bit, help O'Donnell uh, and McGinley push further up the park? Uh, and just sort of keep creating like bigger and bigger overload uh, and, and sort of keep asking them questions. That's maybe a bit unfair because Motherwell were good in the first half, probably the best they've been this season. But they, uh, but it was, they, just, they all seemed really nervous and just sort of just kept on playing sort of like three amongst themselves, all about two or three yards away from each other. It's not really what you normally you're used to seeing when you watch a team. Uh, three at the back and that might show the limitations of that formation with Motherwell that they really don't have the ball players uh, comfortable enough to Tony do you reckon that the, the surface was a factor in that or because it, yeah. it, it, it does like the showgrounds isn't a isn't a good pitch no it, it's not it, it was quite funny watching back passes to goalkeepers the both of them uh, coped really well uh, with back passes but every single time it went back uh, it was taking a bobble and you were always like Tommy Wright was uh, getting himself very excited every time there was a back pass because I think I think he thought that the goalie was going to miss it, but you could see that uh, Collarin's goalie was very used to playing on the surface because he was catching the ball every single time and he had the biggest launch uh, I've seen on a goal in a long time. He was absolutely smashing it every time they got uh, he got a ball uh, played back to him. Uh, but maybe there, there there maybe is an idea in that, and they were trying to pass the ball, but eventually they were always shelling it forward because Collarin. They dealt with the sort of straight long balls uh, pretty easily, as you would expect most teams to, to be able to do. But any sort of angled ball uh, forward, uh, Collarin, like, we're hating it. And I don't even mean like long diagonals, I just mean slightly to the left or the right. <laughs> uh, and again, they were going up against Watt Wat and Lang. It wasn't like it was uh, sort of two big guys up front. Um, what else happened after that? Um, yeah, I was, I was going to ask, how did they manage to, for, for a two-goal lead, how did they not manage to see the game out in the second half, considering the you know, perceived quality of the opposition? Well, as I said, I actually felt uh, from the second, the second half, it totally, like, exactly what had happened in the first half, uh, in terms, uh, it just completely switched uh, in the second half, and Collarin started pressuring the ball. They were shelling the balls forward, and then Motherwell suddenly became completely incapable of dealing with cross balls. And they were backing it straight away. Uh, Collarin, they managed to um, get get the penalty, which um, I'm still not really entirely sure if if it was a penalty. The angles you were getting with this sort of one camera job that they had 
with the BBC wasn't really great. And you were <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember you said in the chat when the game first started that the camera angle was pretty poor. Was it, was it better or worse than Ross County's, which I believe to be the worst in the top flight of Scottish football? It's significantly worse. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Yeah. It was underground. It just, it just feels like, yeah, like, don't get me wrong, it was quite a visceral experience. I felt like I was there uh, and I felt like I was playing, but uh, it, was, it wasn't great for like, get, like trying to watch shape and try to like sort of have any sort of tactical nuance with the game became it was I it was very low down uh, and and very tight to the pitch so I like and that's not usually where the camera sits with for games from from the showgrounds like so I'm not sure what why that happened because it because it didn't it didn't help the viewing of the match although it did kind of feel like a throwback to like early nineties uh, European games yeah. It was. It was. Uh, as I said, that, uh, to be fair, as much as it was like not great to watch, it did add to the spectacle for me. Uh, as I said, and get, I said a good British football match, and just everything about it uh, was quite quintessential. So it was. Uh, it, it did add to the experience. To be fair, so it, it was great fun. Uh, going back to the first half, like so other other parts of it, there was uh, they were the Motherwell winning a lot of second balls. O'Hara in the middle of the park was winning a lot of headers. So as I said, every time Collarine were trying to go forward, he would win the header and they were able to get bodies and bodies and really press them into the, into the pitch. Um, and when they got their, the second goal, they'll be quite... Actually, both goals, they'll be, they'll be relatively disappointed with them, Collarine. The, the second one is just a simple throw-in. Uh, he gets the ball, he throws it down the line and then Lang just does a hooked cross back to the edge of the box. It sort of hits off Paul where I think he's trying to take a touch. And it just spins off him, and then it just lands to Watt. And um, quite unlike Watt, it was quite really sharp. Sort of ball out of his feet, and then drilled into the near post. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really good finish. Uh, and I'd say that's something that uh, I think we saw the the sort of the, the Watt had a really positive first half. He said he had a huge part to play in the first goal as well. It was his skill down the left hand side where he got to the byline and sort of chipped it back across. Collarin couldn't clear. I think it was maybe Gallagher who was forward, managed to header it back in, and then Lang managed to take a couple of touches and hit it in. But that goal that they scored was the style of the goal had been coming so often uh, for Motherwell because it was just constantly happening. Byline crosses in, Collarin can't clear. They're all sort of lining up, the sort of last ditch defending. As I said, it was like watching a team playing in the last five minutes of a match the whole time. Uh, but then going back to, and, and now for the second half, uh, as I said, it just completely switched. Uh, vibes for, for both teams and then the, the Doherty scored the penalty uh, for uh, Collarin and then they just had a sub ready it felt like almost instantly and it was this Bradley character uh, who, who was on the side who was sort of like he was a big he was like a big guy um, and it, it was like the fact that he just turned up and he was ready almost instantly and he was like he was a bit overweight looked a bit gormless guy it was like he turned up late from standard life for his game of fives and he was sort of just running on the pitch late and he came on and they took uh, Nixon off from him, which at the time I thought was a big mistake. Nixon had been getting quite a fair bit. His deliveries, him and trainer for collaring down the left-hand side had been getting quite a lot of joy. They'd been putting a lot of good balls at the box. It was sort of their main way uh, of attacking in the first half. But he came on and... As they just could, like the the the, the mother was said, could not deal with this guy at all. He was winning, he was backing in. He's like a good touch. They said, oh, like all sort of big guys who play fives, they've got like a good touch. They could shift out their feet quickly, uh, and they just could not deal with them whatsoever. And that was, uh, as I said, that just added to that feeling of 
uh, like maybe as Duncan saying, sort of this sort of nineties European vibe. And I was sad watching the game that there was. As first thing, I really got my heart down watching a game that like, the fans would have absolutely lapped this game up. It would have been the atmosphere would have been electric, uh, and so it would have been an even better spectacle on the telly. But unfortunately, uh, it didn't work like that. To Motherwell tried to sort of stem the tide. At this point, they, they were really struggling and they brought on uh, Seedorf uh, and went to a 4-3-3 and they put Lamy out at left back. And then Motherwell settled, um, but they just had no sort of composure. They were just playing long balls every time they got it or they were knocking it back to the keeper. You could see they were really nervous. O'Hara and Campbell had were just... The game was just completely bypassing them because the balls were going over the head. But even when the ball was... On the pitch, uh, in the middle of the park, I was saying Dockery for, for Collarham was sort of the dominant force in there. He was winning all the challenges. Uh, so it, was, it just became like sort of manic again. And Motherwell were just sort of, looked like they, they, all plans had gone out the window. All tactics had gone out the window. And then a bit of petulance for Lang after that. There was like a, which seems to be, I think there may be a feature of his game. He may be quite like. Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a shit. Yeah, like that's be plain and simple. He's a he's a he's a shit. Yeah, yeah. And like the ball just got crossed in uh, a header down. They tried to get the ball into the net. The goalie picked it up, and honestly, there was about two or three seconds in between them picking the ball up, and then Lang just coming out, just kicking him in the side. <laughs> uh, so so he got booked for that. Um, in terms of like looking at Collarin, there was parts of them that I was I'd like about my shout outs if you like to their players. Obviously, I'd never ever uh, heard of or seen before. Uh, I like Dottery in the middle of the park, I'll be honest. Um, and since I was watching him at the level that he would be playing in if he was playing in Scotland, uh, a player that sort of maybe Ross County would absolutely love to have in the middle of the park. He's got a composure, he can pick a pass, he's got a good touch, and he's got legs, which would be a big thing that I think Ross County would like. And uh, he, he loved a tackle. As I said, Trainer and Nixon down the left-hand side, they both had to come off uh, either for tactical reasons and Trainer went off later for... Um, sort of for, for an injury late on, uh, but and McLaughlin as a striker was a real handfield, and they also had their own Stephen O'Donnell, um, and he was the captain, and, and he was pretty good at the back. But um, then later on, I said once Hasty and Maguire came on, his, his Motherwell were trying to close the game out, and Hasty Maguire came on for for Polworth and Lang, but then sort of a simple ball over the top. Bradley's bundled by Mugabe. Uh, there's not much. Um, there's not much contact, but Mugabe's completely um, caught the wrong side, and I can definitely see why the referee would give that. I thought it was quite cute for Bradley. Uh, to be honest, he, he held up his run. He waited for any type of contact, then he went flat out. It's one of those that when I was watching, it, I was thinking that could be a penalty. Who, who's, who's signing? Who's uh, Bradley signing for before the end of the transfer window in Scotland? Oh wow, Bradley! Get bloody up front with some effort for for Hamilton. <laughs> uh, him, Moyo, Ockenpo. Even though, to be fair, Bradley's sort of touch and awareness is probably above uh, those guys in the back. <laughs> if, maybe if he's uh, if he's sort of like physical abilities are aren't quite up there. Um, and then so it was Dockery, and then so for there, like suddenly Motherwell are having to put Jake Hasty at left back, which sent shivers down my spine. Uh, when, when I saw that was about to happen. Uh, Maguire went on for, for Polworth. He sort of slotted into a defensive midfield role. But then Dockery, it's not easy taking two penalties in one match, uh, especially when you're 2-0 down. 
and he, he just put that right straight into the top corner. He was he he, he, he sort of enjoyed himself, and it was interesting listening to them talk about. Um, so Tommy Wright and the commentator were talking about what it was like. Uh, Tommy Wright was talking about the classic one that we know about that uh, his chairman was always crying <laughs> about the fact that they made no money in Europe, and he was saying, "Now on top of that, you've got you're going to have to split pend all the money travelling, but you're getting no money for having fans and the yeah supporters at the other end." But then they were they did mention that um, they sort of like it was a quarter of a million uh, just for winning the tie. All right. uh, if you go through it, so I was like, it's, it's a decent chunk of money. Uh, and then they were mentioning that the teams for the Irish League through their um, through the Champions League and the Europa League they, they'd already made two million pounds, so it can't be all that bad. Uh, I, think, no I think it depends. I think it depends on where you have to go. If you have to travel all the way to fucking Kazakhstan for a game, then it's definitely going to cost you an absolute fortune and probably. Two hundred fifty thousand might not cover your expenses, but for just travelling over, you know, just across the Irish Sea, probably fine. Ah, you're dancing with your quarter of a million, I'm sure. But it was nice. They were taught like the chairman. They were talking that they spoke to the chairman of Collarham before, and it was just nice hearing that he just said he was more of a supporter when they were playing Maribor and they had the penalty in the last minute. It was nothing to do with cash and or anything like that. It was just about this. Obviously, probably probably the best result in Collarham's history going going through against Maribor. I mean, we've Maribor are uh, classically, uh, in the, especially in the last sort of decade. Right, knocked at Celtic at the uh, Champions League, I think it was. And Rangers and Hibs. And yeah. Hibs. So in terms of, they've, they've, they've bulleted loads of Scottish teams. Uh, but then on top of that, I mean, they've, they've been in group stages, they've got through, they've had big scalps, and they've been a sort of consistent European side for, for quite a long time. Right, tell us about extra time. Um, <laughs> it was well, mental. For, uh, nah, it was, well, it, it sort of camped, it was sort of Oh yeah, actually, sorry, sorry, Tony, I'll give you a break right now because Duncan watched Extra Time, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, right, I switched so over give, from give the Aberdeen game. Extra time. Um, two very tired teams <laughs> uh, was, was basically how it, it was, re, it was end-to-end. Uh, Corrine had the, had the best chance, there was a, a clearance off the line. Uh, I can't remember who cleared it off the line, but like it, was, it really, uh, it was pretty bitty. Uh, to be honest, there wasn't any, there wasn't that many clear cut chances. Um, uh, yeah, it was it, it wasn't. Yeah, given uh, given us as was what the ninety minutes beforehand. It, 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 uh, and as was to be fair on Motherwell's side, uh, they were down to ten men, and that's all. Oh, that's always going to be a challenge. The last half hour, um, Seedorf was always an out, oh. out ball, but gee, like he's he's bad. Like he can wring his neck, eh? Like it's the same, you, you, you're watching it, uh, you can only imagine what it's like being a Motherwell fan because he he, uh, he, he had the beating uh, and so did they, they. They brought Chris Long on for Adam Campbell at the start of the extra time, which I know would be, a, again, a, a downer for a lot of Motherwell fans. But the minute he came on, he rinsed past uh, a, a sort of collar and defender who was clearly like running in, running in treacle. And then he sort of missed, and, and, and he missed the target with a good chance. And Sadorf had the same a few times where he was able just to boost past him. Then he just doesn't because he's a professional athlete versus yeah. that part-time guy. Yeah, yeah. But then he just doesn't keep doing it. It was, it was like at the start of the season you saw Sadorf come on uh, against Ross County. And who's the who's the young fullback for Ross County? He's been playing the season. Sorry, he's completely uh, Josh Reed. Josh Reed. And he had him on, like he had Josh Reed on toast. He could just knock the ball past him and do it. And he'd done it for the game. He still frustratingly didn't get loads of great balls in, but he was doing it. 
But this game, he'd done that at the very start, and I was like, right, he's got this guy. He can just keep on doing it. And then he just doesn't do it. He's like going inside all the time. And if you're Robinson, you'd be losing your absolute mind. You've got this guy. Just knock it past him. You're like a, a machine. You're quick. Get to the byline and put good balls in. But then, oh, what difference does it make? Because whenever he gets to the byline, he picks the wrong decision anyway. He just, gets, <laughs> he, he just sort of gets your... He's just like one of those guys. Gets your heart rate going. Uh, and then just like, oh, right. That was, that was a load of... Unless he's up against Stephen Whitaker. Yeah, of course, yeah. And then he starts curling it into the bottom bins. Of course. <laughs> uh, but that, that chance that uh, Duncan alluded to is an absolutely incredible save for Trevor Carson. I mean, from and another example of like Trevor Carson, will be, uh, will be getting the drink spot from tonight uh, for the Motherwell fans. Um, he was, it was just caught, like the ball came into the back post and Stephen O'Donnell was probably favourite. The Motherwell like, sort of evacuated from a corner and then suddenly there was like five people in the box for the return, but none of them were picking up anyone. Uh, and then O'Donnell was at the back stick, and Bradley, again, got up above O'Donnell, even though O'Donnell was a clear favourite. Not only did back cross, Carson gets the slightest touch to it, and sort of cans it off the cross, and then he man- and then Gallagher manages to clear it off the line. Um, but, um, then McLaughlin managed to go off, unfortunately for, he got a bit, um, he got injured towards the end, so that they lost them one of the, um, penalty kick takers and then yeah then it came it came the greatest moment of all time for, for Trev Carson uh, O'Hara pinged the penalty into his top right then a great save down um, his left for Carson it was a really like fast penalty it was drilled it was low it was like a really super save then what popped his in uh, and then again Carson got a save this one was more the right height not enough pace on it uh, poor penalty then O'Donnell got lucky with his penalty. The, the keeper got a hand to it and it went to the centre. And then the final one, which I actually thought was the best save because I think the penalty taker took the penalty how most managers would, would coach. It was slightly, maybe a, slightly too high. Maybe he'd want it across the ground. But the guy laced it into the bottom left corner. And Carson got across with like a really, really strong arm. Like me, I was thinking if I'd got that, I'd be sitting with a dislocated shoulder. But Carson got there, smashed it away. Um, and yeah, then party time for the Motherwell boys, but they really did get Made the hard job. work of it, eh? Yeah, but they, that's it. They, 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 in the second half, one, sorry, in extra time, I will give Motherwell credit as they didn't just, they, I think they accepted that we were probably a bit fitter and they could afford to lead guys forward to sort of push Collar and back and not allow their fullbacks to press forward because they still had Seedorf on, they had Watt who dropped into a deeper role in midfield. Uh, they had uh, long on, so they still had forwards on. They had hasty at bloody left back, um, and they they saw it. It was like they're, they're sort of calm. Apart from that chance for Coleraine, strange enough, from the second half to the end of the game, that last half hour was sort of the most comfortable and calm that Motherwell looked, despite being down to down to ten men. But that might be something to do with the fact that the, the full time part time started to come in. Because Collarin were coming in in good form as well. I, I checked the results beforehand. They'd won. They've won all their games in the in the Irish League. That started three in a row, and they they got that win against Maribor. And um, really, I know they'd be knocked out on penalties there, but that's them played five games, two against full time teams, and they've 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 not been beaten over over ninety. Well, sort of beaten over one hundred twenty minutes in, in in any of those games. So um, they were a credit, and they were good fun to have on the pitch. And that. They, they, they played well second half. They've done the best that they could. Okay. Thank you, Tony. We're going to go now to Duncan to talk about Viking against Aberdeen, but only after this message. 
Hi, it's Fowler to tell you about our friends at Beer52. Once again, they're offering eight free craft beers to listeners of the Terrace podcast. And to be honest, guys, this might come just about in time. Lockdown restrictions are tightening. The number of people we can see from other households is being a bit more restricted. And it could soon get to the point where we're back stuck in our jammies again, drinking with our friends via Zoom. If that's going to be the case, then why not treat yourself, get some types of beers that you wouldn't be able to get in the pubs, and, you know, have a little bit of variety. Variety is the spice of life. I always like to go for different picks and mixes. My favourite food, for instance, is tapas. I like to just, you know, not just be stuck with one thing. Now, typically, I go against that when it comes to drinking beer. I, I typically go for cooking lager. But it's but the last time that Beer 52 had this promotion, I, I, I went for it myself. And I was thoroughly impressed with what they had to offer. Multiple different types of beer. Uh, I was able to, some I obviously enjoyed more than others, but that's part of the fun, isn't it? And these are sourced, curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash terrace and just cover the 5 95 for postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every single month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the US and Europe. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose a light option, and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash terrace to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95 postage. That's beer52.com forward slash terrace. Duncan, right, Aberdeen 2-0 winners away for home. It looked like it, it really kind of looked like a, a potentially kind of sticky contest for, for the Dons, but overall quite a... Comfortable is probably the wrong word for what I've heard of it, but not too far away from that. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes and I put a question mark around it uh, because I wasn't sure if it's... But Aberdeen did well, but didn't play well, if that makes sense. Like they, that sounds um, like Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, uh, it was a... It was a not a strange game, but it, it was a not particularly European game. It was like a bit like the Motherwell Korean game in terms of it was a it was quite a British encounter. It was really open uh, for uh, which was kind of probably a credit to, to Viking because let's be honest, that's not how Derek McInnes would would uh, want to play football. Um, you know, so the uh, you know, Viking had a, 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 a in both halves actually they both they started really well, but they had good chances you know, within the first two minutes of each half, uh, which kind of uh, gave an indication that they, they were quite a threatening team. Um, Aberdeen were were drawn to the ball far too often early doors, but I think that they then regained some discipline. Um, to be honest, I thought, when I, when I looked, looked how they lined up, I thought they were playing a um, 4-2-3-1, but McInnes afterwards said that they were playing a they're playing five at the back with uh, McCrory and Hayes as wing backs, but because the way Aberdeen line up, it's almost like a pendulum uh, five at the back where it kind of pushed whoever's playing. If someone's playing right back, which was McCrory, then Hayes is pushed much further up. Whereas it, Hayes was never at left back to push, but McCrory did play uh, right wing back a few times, and so that that kind of uh, was a bit deceiving, I think. Um, and McCrory for 
all he is is a, a, a Rolls Royce player. Our, our right back slash right wing back, he ain't. Um, it was just so the distance between him and Hoban most of the time was frightening. I think if you were an Aberdeen fan, just because it allowed Viking like a lot of Vikings work came down uh, their left wing, Aberdeen's right, because uh, there was just there was just a, there was just acres of space because uh, McCrory was trying to get forward, you know, kind of understandably. Um, Again, uh, n- not really that surprising that like Aberdeen can they have an embarrassment of riches? Really, like they are like, this, and this is I suppose this is the this is the benefit from consistently being in the top four for the last eight seasons is that you are just accumulating wealth through these European games and stuff that allows you just to be able to to pay a bit more money to, to and have that extra player or whatever you know, and, and you get just, greater prize money for the Scottish Premiership as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like you know, the, I mean, admittedly, they don't they don't have any superstars, but they in terms when you look at that that subs bench and who they're able to bring on, there's there's not there's no weak links, I suppose. Um, Aberdeen did have the better chances in, in the first half. Um, you know, Scott Wright was put through one on one at one stage, and it, like 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 at the weekend, fucked it basically. Just he's just not. Um, no composure. He's no, yeah, he's no composure. He, he, he basically ran in a straight line and then uh, didn't aim his shot away from the keeper. So the keeper was able to spread his legs and, and, and save it. How was how yeah. how um, Wright's performance in general? Because he's sort of having his sort of performance levels and have shot up in recent times and he's looking like he'd be impossible to leave out. Is that still the case in this game? Yeah, on the basis of last night, yeah, definitely. Like, he, like it, the, there was no... There was no weak link, I suppose, in Aberdeen's performance last night. They are they are such a a team and a, and a unit, and you saw that especially after they got the goal. What was noticeable every time Viking tried to get forward is that Aberdeen always had numbers back. You know, they made it really difficult. So Viking were, were restricted a lot to passing like round the box, which you know in itself can be dangerous. But because the numbers are there, and you know Aberdeen are pretty fit team that was never dangerous so there wasn't that many the Viking didn't get that many shots away there was a few times uh, especially in the first half McCrory uh, uh, was at fault and, and Viking should have really equalised uh, with a ball played cross field uh, into the box and the guy got a, 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 the guy was able to outmuscle McCrory in the air, air no problem and it, it should have been a goal but it was a, it was a, a really uh, open game um, and then they got it wasn't a bit fortunate, you know, the, the goal from McCrory that um, there was a the ball kind of spun up and McCrory took the took the shot uh, and went and it went from outside the box and it went in and um, there was a bit of drama around it because uh, Constantine was kind of in the way but definitely leaped on as the shot was taken. You know, like you know, got out the way, um, but the, you know the ref went to the linesman. And they had a bit of discussion, which was you know, quite dramatic to be honest uh, and he and he gave the goal and I think at that stage it was probably probably fair um, Viking are really well drilled like their set pieces were some of the best I think I've seen from a team that's clearly something they work at or the free kick free kicks uh, and corners they knew exactly what they were trying to do uh, which was quite interesting I thought quite uh, if you're not blessed with a lot of talent like which is clearly the case in the kind of Norwegian league like you you would much uh, you've got to take advantage where you can so there's, there's probably 
maybe McInnes is sitting there thinking that's something that we can take into to future games against you know, the likes of Sporting maybe next week. Um, but again, uh, I was really impressed with, with uh, Marley Watkins uh, leading the line. I mean, obviously it's not, you, you wouldn't necessarily want that to be your, your first choice uh, for the rest of the season. But, he, like, again, there's not a lot of finesse with Aberdeen, but there's a, just a hell of a lot of grit and, and uh, work going on. Um, again, like we said, like, you know, saying that the game was quite British in its tempo and stuff like that was kind of helped by the ref. He was pretty lenient. Like, I, th- I would think that uh, in other cases, you might not. Some of the challenges going in would have been, you know, called flagged as, 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 you know, what have you. But he got, kind of got away with that. Uh, you know, a lot of grappling at corners and stuff like that, which you just don't normally see in uh, in European, European games. games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, they had, again, like you, know, twenty minutes to go. Scott Wright and Dylan McGeoch have, have put in a hell of a shift, and Aberdeen are able to bring on Ojo and Shea Logan. You know, like that's that, that's what I was talking about in terms of squad depth. Like, you oh. know, like that, that, and and it's not just having the ability, not just having good players to come on, but the ability to change shape as well. They've got so much flexibility built into that team. No, I, I, I think it was um, uh, on our chat, and I think I was speaking to you about it in the past. There was like games. I think it was the St Johnston game away when you suddenly looked at Aberdeen's bench it was like mind-blowing uh, maybe not all about pure talent like guys like Logan are maybe on their way down as oh, a player but still just like like names were like I remember that time it was like McGeoch was on the bench McGinn's on the bench Ojo's on the bench it's just um it was just um so Hedges on the bench that day came on and it was like there was like five or six sort of all definitely earning over three or four grand a week on that bench, and they have a pro- the, the depth now. Um, I say, I'm not sure if I'll be the only one that was guilty of this. I actually fancied Aberdeen to maybe have quite a poor season this season. Uh, I was actually thinking this might have been the end of the road for McInnes, um, and that was part of the reason I think they were going to start. He doesn't have the same relationship with the chairman as he had previously, his wage bill was going to be huge. He's on, was, he's on huge wages himself. You know, yeah, like, he was going to have very little room to manoeuvre. Like, um, a lack of success would, would really, would, the chair would be like, well, I'm clearly paying more than anyone else in, the, in this country. And uh, I'm not so, being entertained either, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, so, um, but to be fair to him, it's, he's, he's, it's something like it's, I'm finding it hard to judge. This is exactly how Aberdeen should be doing uh, with the, sort of depth of squad, the amount of money spent, the length of time that they've worked together. So um, as much as you credit where credit's due as well, but it does have to be tempered by the fact that I think Aberdeen are starting to look exactly how they should with a bit of flair. Like guys like Scott Wright, uh, the fact that he's playing hedges a lot now, um, I think it's a great shout. He's, he's a great player to watch. And he links really and well. He, and and I get, we didn't even mention that, the fact that he, he got the second goal last night and it was scoring from a corner. Admittedly, I would, you'd say the keeper was slightly culpable, but actually, when you look at the trajectory, it's an absolute peach. Like, you, it's one of those ones that if it Jiggy wasn't... Bennett. If it's... Uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I don't think he meant... He think he meant it to be a danger. So like, but it was one of those that actually, if any Aberdeen player... Like the trajectory of it and the speed of it went so all it takes an Aberdeen player to get the slightest glance on that and it's going in, if you know what I mean, because it's just exactly, you know, it's, it's going to work. Um, but yeah, like that, I mean, that, yeah, you're right. I, like, I, 
I was fairly up until a couple of weeks ago. You're kind of fairly confident that um, that Hibs and Aberdeen would do battle for third, but I think Aberdeen should should have third at a canter. To be honest, and you look yeah, because if Hibs have two injuries, they can't compare to what Aberdeen can deal with. What what would be your opinions on the Watkins? Um, because I think he seems to it seems to suit them a lot more having it's he seems to be making them more fluid. Um, going forward than maybe what they would do even well certainly with Maine and maybe even with with Cosgrove this helps bring the if they're going to play with sort of so many wide players tricky players guys with good ball control guys wanting to go beyond the, the striker does Watkins maybe suit them better than any of the other strikers that they, they have? He he does to an extent, the like, yeah. at the end I don't uh, know yeah, I, th- yeah. <laughs> I mean I think he does he does to extent but the problem is and it happened a lot last night is that he goes, he comes deep to help, like, you know, and he does that. But the problem is that a lot of the time Aberdeen got, you know, on the, the either flank and there was no one in the box, like, mm-hmm. because he's still chasing to get there. So it's difficult because a player that can do those things in terms of coming deep and then sprint to get himself in the box isn't, isn't the sort of player that's available to Aberdeen. But, like, yeah, I suppose they just feel there's a, the, you just feel like Aberdeen is just this fucking massive tank, and it just like it's just like slowly going across and just just destroying people that are all, <laughs> like that's the only way I can get like it's just like this. It's not exciting. It's not flashy. You can see your death it's, coming towards. Yeah, you, exactly. Right? And it's just a slow incumbent. Like just we are going to come over the top of you. It's and like the it's like nothing. the scene. It's like the scene in uh, Deadpool where he's uh, about to run over the guy with his Zamboni. And he's like, you're going to die in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they think they do, like, just stay, like, they say that about when people get ran over that a lot of the time that they probably have a t- chance to move, but you freeze yeah, because you see it coming towards you uh, and sort of that blind panic. And maybe that's what Aberdeen are doing. They're giving people heart attacks slowly. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think going to the point of uh, kind, of, kind of saving himself this season is that unlike last summer, which was a fairly kind of disastrous kind of transfer window for them, and bringing in Curtis Main, he, he really didn't hit the ground running until, what? One Ever? game at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had a, a, wee, a wee spell. Like, Hamilton away. Right, Hamilton away, and it like, looked okay after Christmas. Uh, then you had your, he was supposed to like bring in an entire, basically, midfield uh, with Craig Bryson and Fonzo Ojo. Neither of them worked out. And I'm trying to think if he'd done anything else that I'm, I'm forgetting, but overall, it, it, it was quite uh, quite poor. But this summer, They've basically kind of nailed it with just about everybody, haven't they? They've McCrory's been a McCrory's. I think McCrory's so been the catalyst. McCrory's like, been a catalyst, but also Watkins has been a decent signing so far. Getting Hayes back, he's been pretty decent. Hoban, he's been excellent, and I don't think they've actually kind of missed on anybody so far. At least the early indicate indications aren't. Uh, last year as well, uh, John Gallagher, who ended up being quite shit, and Hedges was up and down. Hedges is starting to put a bit of consistency to his game because I've always thought. Hedges looked a, a decent player, but he, he did kind of tail off himself. He definitely, sh- he should be. He should be a good player, Hedges. He looks the. He looks every se- uh, every centimeter a baller. Yeah, uh, and, and they're, they're starting to get some play as well out of two players assigned in January who didn't hit the ground running, and and Dylan McGeoch and Matty Kennedy. Uh, yeah. McGeoch's now. He's been on the bench most of the times this season, but when he's come on, he's actually started to look like Dylan McGeoch again. Whereas mm-hmm. when he when he came to Aberdeen last, I, week, he, he, how was he last he night? Of himself, just as just. What will what 
we as Hibs fans love them. Like absolutely nothing fancy, but just there keeping things ticking over. Those wee drops it, to the shoulder when he moves away for the player before they get near him. Um, exactly. Like I, I think slowly moving forward like a tank, <laughs> like you're saying. <laughs> I think he, he tired a little bit, and obviously that's why that's why he came off. Um, but. And that's, I think that's that's McGeoch's problem is you never know if that tiredness is because he's not playing enough, enough or he's just you know so injury prone that you like that is just the toll of of uh, not of basically his career. Like, maybe but. maybe Aberdeen might be sort of like the safest like, as much as we criticise because before we were talking about guys like McGeoch and Ojo, the ball just going over their heads and they both like to go and get the ball off the centre half and sort of build through the lines to the midfield. But maybe in terms of his ability to play matches, maybe McGeoch's in quite a safe club and team where they won't be completely relying on him. He'll always be appearing, he'll always be playing, there'll always be room for him, but the team isn't going to collapse if he's not there and he will not be there uh, at times. So maybe maybe ultimately Aberdeen might end up being sort of a decent move that maybe a club he can play for four, three, four years before he sort of winds but, down into retirement. Yeah, and like, again, that is uh, a luxury that only Aberdeen, outside Celtic Rangers, yeah. is, is a luxury that only Aberdeen can afford to Absolutely. have some, uh, pay someone that amount of money to not feature every week, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> right, let's move on to the, the final game. That was uh, Lincoln Red Dibs. Nil Rangers 5, pretty early on in this one. It looked like there was going to be kind of no repeat of the shock that, that Celtic suffered away from home to the Gibraltar side. I watched this uh, game and there was really not much to talk about. I'm glad that we've only got about eight minutes left because I'm a, but <laughs> a bit of a stretch to fill those eight minutes. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I think this new format of just the one-legged stuff works really well. Yeah, I know I like it's it. not necessarily... F- Hugely fair, fair but, uh, <laughs> but I, th- I think it, m- it makes for much better games. Um, but again, I've, I think, I think the qualifiers are always a lot more interesting than the group stages. Anyway, Except, imagine, so, like, imagine you had this game and then you had to play another game at Ibrox next week. You're just like, what uh, is just, the point? Five yeah. nothing up and at home. Like, there should be that. Yeah, maybe sure it's like a, a yeah. mercy rule or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, you like, win by it. more than we'll give you some money yeah. to just not play the game. And yeah, <laughs> um, ah, yeah so. Rangers started, you know, fairly sharp on top, as you'd expect. They, they got the early goal from Tavernier. Gerard was a bit critical, saying they didn't leave first gear for all the game. I think he wanted them to keep their intensity levels uh, because he had made a, a few changes. So I think he was looking for some of these fringe players to, to maybe kind of step up and, and, and for the team to kind of keep the momentum they've had so far this season. But at the same time, when you score so early, and it's easy to tell from the players that they can just recognise that the guys opposite them are nowhere near their level. So you get that early goal, it's just easy to keep the ball and be patient and kind of break them down. And, I mean, to, to disagree with Gerard as well, I think they were at their poorest at the start of the, the second half when when the Red Imps were a little unfortunate not to get themselves back in the game. We had a really good chance at, at 2-0. McGregor made a, a point-blank save after Edmondson had made an arse of it. And that was the point in the match where it was a bit more frantic and it was a bit more kind of back in front and they were playing at a higher tempo. And then after that, they kind of cooled it off again and just kept the ball. Well, they scored not long after, which killed the game as well. But overall, it was a, you know, just routine for Rangers. Um, so that's it. That's the analysis of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I suspect like it was much like when we uh, was, when we uh, I chatted to John Sinclair about. Oh, can you give me a uh, in the last round of Aberdeen? Can you let me know uh, how Aberdeen played against Runovic? And it's like, 
we won. Like uh, you, know, like, it's like there's not a lot because it's it's not it's not necessarily a training game, but there's not there's nothing you can learn about playing a team that is that poorer in quality than you. Really. It, there's probably a few players that are just worth highlighting. Edmondson, I said, uh, didn't look to, overall. I suppose he was solid, but when you when you factor in the quality of opposition, if he wasn't solid, then you'd have to you know be very worried. But mm-hmm. the back four in general didn't look too strong. I think part of that was that in front of them, instead of Jack and Davis, they had Kamara and Arfield, which maybe doesn't offer them quite the same amount of protection. But Edmondson going in there as well probably didn't help either. And it's going to be a tough season for Edmondson because I think he came to the club on the pretense that he was the fourth-choice centre-back. And he's a young player. He's certainly got, I think we saw for last season, certainly a huge amount of potential there. But he's going to realise that potentially he'll need some opportunities. And with Rangers signing Balogun, which they had to do, in my opinion, because like last season, we've heard about it before, you and Taylor uh, spoke about this. Uh, I think Adam uh, Thornwood talk, talked about this as well, where you, if Rangers are playing a back three and Barisic isn't playing and you've got Katic there, you've got Katic and you've got a left back who isn't great going forward, then other teams could basically just shut off the right side of Rangers and then it makes it very hard for Rangers to build coming out the back because you're allowing Katic and last season sometimes it was John Flanagan to have the ball on the left and it's just like yeah let them have the ball all day because they're not going to do much with it so they needed Balogun for Gerard's system to really work and Hellander's I wasn't a huge fan of Hellander last season but he started this campaign pretty well and he's also a lot more comfortable with the ball at his feet than than Katic is Katic is still probably going to be the third or fourth choice defender when he returns, probably fourth choice. So that, that bumps Edmondson down to fifth choice when everybody's fit. And as a fifth choice centre-back, when at this stage in your career, you really are kind of hoping for some game time, I wouldn't be really too surprised if we see him go on loan in January. Rangers would might you not want... just sell? Would you not just sell maybe Catch? Maybe. Was it not interesting Catch? Was it not interesting Catch before the season started? Maybe. There is, there is still a place for Catch, though, in the kind of bigger games when the bonus maybe isn't on. They're not playing against teams who are going to sit back as much. And Catch can just kind of you know, give it to another teammate a lot more easily without kind of more onus on him to kind of drive the ball forward. Because usually all he does is gets the ball and gives it back to whoever gave it to him yeah. or, or plays it back to the goalkeeper. And if you're playing Celtic, for instance, I don't think that's, or you're playing Europe, I don't think that's a big a deal. And I think that Gerard and certainly the Rangers fans really like Cage. So it'd be interesting to see I think, what, what happens I think going forward. You can see that with, with Hollander, like you're talking about his sort of improvement. Uh, like that game was it Bayer Leverkusen they played um, in Europe this season. And that, Hollander was superb for the whole 90 minutes, and it was his first game back um, after a long injury. And if you're talking about a guy who's maybe better. It sort of backs to the wall and maybe keeps it like simple. I would say that if you're watching that game and seeing a few other games, I would argue that he can do that job. And maybe you want to keep Ed Munson because he's young, and they were obviously really keen on him. And Gerard obviously likes him, going to get him in. But I would say I would Hollander, Balogun, Goldson. I, I, I would really start edging towards catch. He's, he's injured quite a lot, mm-hmm. and I know he's a fan's favourite. But after seeing Hollander in that game. And that's possibly the highest level Rangers have played at in terms of a match since Gerard even became the manager. And Hollander was superb. That maybe just, just if some people are interested in CAD, sometimes it's about timing. If there's interest there, you've got it set up. You can make the money. And you're not in desperate need to sell. You can maybe add a few, a few more quid to that transfer fee and, and get the money in. I, I would say maybe there's an idea to be had there. 
Another player I want to kind of highlight a bit as well. He didn't really do much in the game, but Scott Arfield, because uh, I don't really talk about him when he, when he played against United, he came off the, the bench in that one. He's kind of... Arfield's a weird one because when he, when he was signed by Rangers, we kind of assumed they were getting this guy who was going to be consistent, you know, number eight. He, he, was, he made a career down in Burley, played, you know, fairly regularly in the English top flight. From being that kind of box-to-box, working hard, not going to let you down, Mr. Consistent kind of centre midfielder. But that but playing for Burnley in the top flight English football is very different from playing for Rangers <laughs> in, in the Scottish Premiership. And I think we've seen that he's not been consistent at all because... At Rangers, you can't just run. You can't just run and, you know, harry and work hard and be kind of a, a disciplined player passes. that way. Yeah, yeah. You, mm. you, need to, you need to make impacts on the attacking end if you're a number eight. And Arfield has had patches where he's done that and he's had patches where he's really not been in form. But what I've seen from him the last two games has been, he's been quite urgent in his play. He's, he's played at a high tempo. He's got forward. He's, he's been progressive in his passing. And... He just kind of has these. You can't really at this age. You can't say like, oh, if he if he puts if he does this consistently, because he's not gonna. If, if he can't do it, you know, if he hasn't done it already, he's not gonna do it now. But he does have these wee patches, and if this is one of these patches, considering the players have got out, so Jack is out, Oribo is out, both of them. Ruth might be out as well, and he he can play number ten and on on the right, and that's two positions that Arfield's played mm-hmm. before. There's, there's going to be opportunities for them. And Rangers have obviously got some big games coming up. They're trying to get in the Europa League. They've got Celtic next month. If Arfield is feeling himself at the moment, then that, that could be really big for, for Rangers. I think, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Morelos, Morelos looked hungry again when he came off the bench. And that's not a, not a jibe at his weight. That, that is, um, Morelos, I, I was talking to a friend uh, about Morelos, uh, Chris, who does, who does the show, and me and Chris sort of argue, strange enough, as two Hibs fans and two friends, we argue about Morelos sort of more regularly than we do anything, which, uh, <laughs> makes, <laughs> which really doesn't make much sense. Uh, but he, was, he made some fair points. He was like, uh, has there ever been a more protected player? It's like if he, if he scores in Europe, everyone's like, oh, he's absolutely brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And then when he doesn't do well in the Scottish top flight, oh, his head's been turned, his head's been turned. So he gave the example of, oh, Ariba's got on the right-hand side, he crosses it in, oh, it's an Urban Governor, but he's had his head turned, he's been signed by Leon, and he's missed <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and So literally had his head turned as the ball was coming across goal. Uh, and I thought there was a, a bit of fairness in that, but at the same time, um, sort of managers around Europe will be, because he was talking about stat padding, which, I mean, a double against Lincoln Redems might be, and arguably is a stat pad, but I was saying there'll be managers around Europe who might look at the goals of the Scottish Premiership as a stat padding, and they're more <laughs> worried about the goals against Rapid Vienna, Legia Warsaw, Porto, Basel, uh, in the Europa League. Yeah, and I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to throw really any praise at him for scoring twice against Lincoln Red Hips, but we have seen him this year. He, he has surely looked, and not want to do yeah, it. Yeah. He's looked uninterested at times, and he looked interested the other day, and that, yeah. that's a good sign for Rangers. And that's the, the funny thing. I think Gerrard's in an awful position with Wimbrellas. Um, We're having too many strikers. No, no, it's just that, that deep down inside, he wants to ostracise. Uh, Morelos. That's what he wants to do, right? That's what I think you can tell. So he get he has this problem, but he's got two. He's their, their most sellable asset. So he's stuck just talking shit on a weekly basis. When it's like one week, it's like oh, he's had his head turned. He's not working hard enough. We had to take him off. 
Uh, and then sort of two weeks later, he's been training hard again, hasn't he? Right, he's back in, and uh, he scored a goal. And it's because, as basically, because Rangers, if they if they completely ostracise him, his value will absolutely plummet. And it's already probably coming down a bit because of purely because of form over the last sort of since sort of January in the summer last year. So uh, I think it is really awkward. It's an interesting one for Jer. How do they actually cope with the fact that they've got a guy that they really probably do want to shift on? but they don't want to make it too obvious because they, they don't want his value to drop. And I think Morelos probably knows that. He probably knows that he's got... He's sort of playing... It's like a game of poker that they're having. And that's not a great thing when you're trying to sort of go for a title and have like a sort of strong unit going forward in the game. But he did... He, I was looking at it, though. He has scored twice uh, in the league and got two assists in, in three starts. So um, in terms of his league performance, it isn't that bad outside of that sort of hopeless game he had uh, against Livingston uh, away, which is sort of where the, the sort of surliness really kicked off this season. Right, that'll do us. Thank you very much, Tony and Duncan. Thank you to everybody for listening. We're away to record our Patreon <laughs> where Duncan's going to pit me and Tony head-to-head in a quiz. There's also quite another few interesting things going up this week. We had Andy and Tom, our Patreon that went up on Thursday night. They're, they're kind of looking at this Tony Stokes situation, leaving Livingston uh, after yet, but well, Leaving Livingston before playing a game, a look at uh, the situation surrounding that, uh, where Livingston go from here, and where Anthony Stokes' career, next career move could be as well. I also had Orphan my- Timbers. <laughs> also had myself and Gary uh, talking about Hearts and the Denix Lamal situation, and I can't even remember what else I posted, but there's, there's loads of other stuff. There's a, you and Craig Cairns talked about the Celtic. Uh, oh yeah, we, we broke down that and uh, basically had a go at uh, St Mirren for being. Shite bags. Yeah, shite bags. Right. Yeah. So, and uh, <laughs> how, 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 can, how can you resist? There's <laughs> 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 loads of other stuff though, because uh, I'm making way through some of the back catalogue. So, Duncan, I very much enjoyed Jude Graham. His twelve uh, best away days in Scottish football. Oh yeah. And, well, that sounds uh, good. I'll uh, I'll actually take a, a clip of that and put it out as a kind of Patreon preview over the weekend at some point, just like 10-15 minutes, just to get, uh, wet your beak a little bit, like a wee taster, and then <laughs> dive right in, dive right into the full buffet that we put on. You think there's lots of stuff available at Cosmo? Wait till you fucking see our Patreon. Tony, have you no, have you noticed that uh, Furlow's having top his game now that Graham Spears has entered the podcast market? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Before we offend anybody, let's end right now. Make sure he has up on Twitter at Tennis Podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> panic, 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 panic. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.